Father, once again we thank you for the privilege of allowing us to gather together to worship thee in spirit and truth. We pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures today and teach us of Christ and, and that our hearts and our minds would be directed toward thee, Lord. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll continue our study in the first chapter of, of Peter. The name of the message is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. Let's start in verse 3, and we'll read to verse 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom heaven not seen, ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of the which salvation the prophets inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferance of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them which have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So last week in our study of First Peter, we looked at verses 6 to 9, where we saw Peter bring forth the present state of believers. He was writing to the to those who were in a season of heaviness. A season of heaviness. And note he said it was a season. It would pass. And it was through manifold temptations. And we saw how temptations in our text were were trials. And then we considered the certainty of the fact of our Lord's second coming. He is coming again. He's coming again. The certainty of the fact of our Lord's second coming. And while we have not seen Christ, yet we love him. Yet we love him, and we hope in him. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we have see, seen Peter once again bring forth that what they are going through in the present for the believer, we're to look to the future. We're to look to the second coming of our Lord. And it will bring us joy as we go through trials. And these trials that we go through are trials of our faith. They're trials of our faith, which we see in verse 7. And let us remember that when we go through trials, they try our faith, and our trials refine us just as gold is refined in the fire. That's why we go through trials, to be conformed to the image of Christ. No one likes going through trials. No one does. I have not met one, one person who... Who, who desires to go through trials. 
but we do. We do. And then we look back and see what the Lord has done. And then we looked at verse 9 and we saw Peter pointing the believers to when they will be in the presence of the Lord, which is the end of their faith, to be in the presence of the one who is the object of their faith. So the apostle brings forth the fact that the believer will one day be in the presence of the Lord, that God's people might be strengthened when they're going through these manifold temptations and these seasons of heaviness, that this precious truth, this precious truth might strengthen them and that they might remain steadfast and immovable in Christ, knowing the absolute certainty of their final salvation. And let us, who, who now are looking at this letter today, rejoice in that, the absolute certainty of our salvation in Christ. Those who are resting and trusting in Christ, this will help us as we go through trials and, and tribulations, and it girds up the loins of their minds, and, 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 and ours too, and to hope to the end. To always have hope, and our hope again is in Christ. So let's consider verses 10 to 12 today. Of the which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesies of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Now it is the ignorance, or at least the inconsideration of divine things, that makes earthly things, whatever good or evil, appear great in our eyes. Because when we contrast earthly things to our great God, they fade in comparison. They absolutely fade in comparison. All the riches in the world are nothing compared to the riches that the believer has in Christ. Nothing. And so therefore the apostle's great aim is by bringing forth the certainty and the excellency of the belief and hope that Christians have in Christ. It's to strengthen his afflicted brethren. To strengthen his... No doubt Peter had heard about what they're going through. No doubt. He had. And it's to strengthen his afflicted brethren against all discouragements and oppositions. And this is what the scripture does for us even today, doesn't it? It strengthens us. It strengthens us. It gives us strength when we're discouraged and when we have opposition. It gives us strength to, to face what comes our way. As we feast upon Christ and we look upon Christ and him alone. And he's our only hope. He's our only hope. So the salvation we have, the gospel we believe in, is no modern invention of man. It is the gospel of God, purposed by God in eternity, and accomplished by Christ 2,000 years ago. And we see in verse 10 that the prophets inquired after it and foretold it in former ages from the beginning. Now let's set a premise here quickly. The, the saints that Peter's writing to didn't have the New Testament like we have. And I was thinking about this today, this morning I was kind of chewing on this fact that here these were letters that these saints received. And for us, it's the Scriptures. It's the Holy Scriptures. And it's incredible. So think of how they felt when they received these letters, which are now, you know, we know the Lord, the Holy Spirit had, had Peter pen these letters and Paul pen these letters. But think of how they would, how they, they would feel when they received these letters and 
now it's talking about the prophets, all they had was the Old Testament. So they're studying the Old Testament looking for Christ. And, and look what Peter writes to them here. He says, Of the which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesies of the grace that should come unto you. So we see that the way of salvation by Jesus Christ, which is held forth in the New Testament, which we can now read today, is that which the prophets prophesied of, beloved. It's that which the prophets... And they inquired, and they searched diligently the Scriptures. And we know that what they were searching is the Old Testament Scriptures. And notice it's the Spirit of Christ was in those prophets of old. If you're a believer, that's the same Spirit that's in you. There's only one Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And here in our text, he's called the, or we're seeing in verse 11, he's called the Spirit of Christ. The Master, our own Master proclaimed, the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed, and turn if you would, we'll turn there to John 5.39. I know we've read it many times, but it's good for us to look at it in this, in, in the context of the Scripture we're looking at right now. The Master proclaimed these, this precious truth. I don't know how many times when I was in religion, people told me the Old Testament was for the Jews and the New Testament was for believers. That's an absolute lie. That's an absolute lie. The whole book, Old and New Testament, is all about Christ. It's all about Him. And look what the Master said right here. And remember, when, the, when our Master said this, there was no New Testament. He's speaking of the Old Testament Scriptures, beloved. John chapter 5, verse 39. Search. What does search mean? Search means you look, you diligently search. The prophets of all, they search the Scriptures. And this is a command for us as believers to search the Scriptures. Don't just listen to what the preacher says. Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. I'm just a man telling you what the Lord's done for me and what He's showing me, but search the Scriptures, beloved. Because look what it says. Search the Scriptures. John 5, 39, search the Scriptures. That's the Old Testament Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which what? Testify of me. The Old Testament Scriptures proclaim Christ, beloved. They proclaim Christ in types and shadows. And the Old Testament prophets were, were taught of God and moved by the Spirit, and they prophesied. They prophesied by the Spirit. The Spirit of God prophesied through them concerning the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Just read Isaiah 53, and you can see that right there. And they sought to find out when this would take place and to whom this great grace should come. And the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ spoken in verse 11 is one. After the Lord ascended up to glory, he sent down the Spirit, didn't he? He sent down the Comforter. Comforter. And that's the same Spirit that the prophets had. That's the same Spirit the prophets had. When they penned the Scriptures and when they prophesied of Christ, the Messiah, he comes from above, regenerating the elect of God and teaching us the things of Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. <coughs> and the prophets prophesy both of Christ, who is the unspeakable gift of God's free grace, the only one who is full of grace and truth. And when it comes, 
that which is spoken of in verse 10, who prophesies of the grace that what? Should come unto you. Should come unto you. Did you look for Christ? Or did, did, God, did Christ send the Holy Spirit to seek you out and to regenerate you? And then what did you do? You sought Christ, didn't you? Oh, it's come unto you, beloved. It's come unto me. This is wonderful. Because there's none that seeketh after God. Haggai says this, and I will shake all the nations, and the desire of the nations shall come, and I will fill their house with glory, saith the house of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 7. This wondrous grace comes to the redeemed by Christ and in and through Christ alone. And this is redeeming grace from sin, from Satan, from death in the grave. Justifying grace, which only comes through his righteousness. And he being the Lord our righteousness, in whom all the seed of Israel shall be justified in glory. Jeremiah wrote of that. The Lord our righteousness. Wrote of him. The Old Testament is full of Christ. beloved, Absolutely full of Christ. The prophets also spoke of regenerating and sanctifying grace in the giving of a new heart. Just read Jeremiah. And writing of the laws of God to the inward parts and pouring out the Spirit on God's elect. And they spoke of preserving grace, saying that God is the one who saves us and keeps us. Bringing forth that they that fear the Lord shall not depart from him and his loving kindness. And shall never, his loving kindness shall never depart from us. This is all proclaimed. All these things are proclaimed in the Old Testament. It speaks of eternal life and glory, which is only in Christ. Everlasting salvation, which only comes through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us remember that the Holy Ghost is in himself holiness. He's absolutely holy. And the source and worker of holiness and the author of holiness, this is the Spirit of Christ. Proclaim, look at verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit, beloved. Which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So let us observe here what an honorable testimony the Holy Ghost here gives to the prophets for their diligent search and inquiring after Christ and his salvation. And let us also observe how and by what means they were enabled to do so. How were they enabled to, to write what they wrote? How were they enabled to prophesy of the, of the things of Christ? By the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, which was in them and testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. And I'll read Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Who's that speaking of? That's speaking of Christ. The sword of God's justice is awoken against the shepherd, my shepherd, the scriptures proclaim. That's Christ. Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And then look at Isaiah 52, verses 13 and 14. Behold my servant. The servant is a chosen one. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at the, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form far more than the sons of man. Now this speaks of exactly what Peter was writing, that they, 
They testified of the sufferings of Christ, beloved. They testified of the sufferings of Christ. They prophesied about the sufferings of Christ. And let's go back in our text here. It says, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now notice in the text, the prophets searched the Scripture. They searched the Scriptures. Searching what or what manner of time? The prophets made a very diligent inquiry into the exact time when Christ should come to work out the salvation of his people. They searched these things. They searched these things. And John Trapp brings out that this searching is with the greatest judgment and diligent. And, and I thought this was interesting. This searching is as hunters seek for game. You, who are, you guys who are hunters here. You seek game out when you're hunting them, don't you? Yeah. You seek them out. And then, Trot brings out this too, and I thought this was good. As men seek for gold in the very mines of the earth. They go down there and they work in the sweat of their brow. and They, they dig. and they Remember back in the old days, they had pickaxes back there. They'd be down there just the sweat of their brow digging away for gold. That's how, that's how they search the scriptures. That's how we should search the scriptures. We should the, remember this is a mine, beloved. This is a vast mine full of jewels and gold and riches, and it's all about Christ and Christ alone. And God was pleased to reveal Christ to them as the Messiah, just as He has revealed Christ to we who are born again of the Spirit. They searched diligently. Again, searching here in verse 11 is, is one commentator brings forth this. The words are strong and emphatic, alluding to miners who dig to the bottom and break through not only the earth, but the rock to come, the ore. And those holy prophets had an earnest desire to know more and more about Christ. And they were diligent in their inquiries after the grace of God. And this is how we should be too, eh? We should desire to learn the things of Christ, knowing that God, if he's pleased to reveal Christ to us and more and more of Christ, he will. And this is why we pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures, because if he doesn't, we're not going to learn anything. He must teach us, beloved. He must teach us. He must guide us in all truth. And so let us therefore consider that the doctrine of man's salvation by Jesus Christ alone, has been the study and the admiration of the saints before us and of the prophets of God. All the way back. If the inspired prophets search diligently into the things of Christ, should we who are redeemed of the Lord desire to, to do so too? Yes. And those who have tasted the mercy of God by the grace of God, we desire to inquire into the truths about our Savior, the things of our Savior which are contained in His Word. And we have the blessing of both the Old and the New Testament. They didn't have that. They didn't have, but yet they, they searched diligently. Searched diligently, the Scriptures. <coughs> and that which was pictured in shadow and type for them has been revealed to we who are alive in the gospel dispensation. And let us diligently seek 
Search and seek the truths of Christ in the Scripture. Let us desire to hear His Word proclaimed. And let us pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us and guide us into all truth, beloved. And note verse 11 brings forth the one who was the object of the study of the prophets. It was Christ. It was Christ. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of things which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Oh, the object of their study. The object of the study of the prophets was Christ, Jesus Christ, the main subject of their studies because he's the Messiah that the scriptures speak of. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. They inquired about his condescension. They inquired about when he would appear, his death, and the glorious consequences of that. They're searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which is what was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Look at Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. Then he spake unto them, O fools and slow of heart. Remember, this is the Lord speaking to the two on the road to Aramaeus. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Who did the prophets speak of? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? It's all through the Old Testament. It's all through the Old Testament. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I remember talking to Brother Norm Wells and saying, well, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that conversation. He says, you have it all right here. Just if the Lord's pleased to reveal it. And he does. We're not going to learn everything. But as the Lord's pleased to reveal himself to us in the Old Testament scriptures, we just marvel. We just absolutely are, in, are marveling. Matthew Henry brings forth this, that this inquiry would lead them into a view of the whole gospel, the sum and sum whereof is this, that Jesus Christ was, or Christ Jesus was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. And the gospel's good news, isn't it? It's good news. It proclaims life, eternal life. It proclaims the suffering and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it proclaims that this is the only means of salvation. There's no other way. There is no other way but Christ. And it is Christ who is the one who has worked out the salvation of his people by his perfect life and by his, his substitutionary death, his atoning death for his people on Calvary's cross, and also by his resurrection. Is good news. Good news. And this is what the prophets and the apostles make the sum of all their salvation, of all their doctrine. Christ and Christ alone. Christ and Christ alone. He's all our righteousness. And this is what the believer does, doesn't he? I ask you, is he not all your righteousness? Is he not all your redemption? Is he not all your sanctification? Is he not all your salvation? Well, this is the same. This is what the prophets proclaim too. <laughs> They had the same spirit within them as we have, beloved. It's wonderful. 
That's wonderful. Now let's consider verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them which have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Unto whom it was revealed, it says here, the salvation they searched and inquired into through the studies of the scriptures and the grace of this salvation, the time of its happening and sort of times they would be when Christ should come among the Jews and the Gentiles through the preaching of the word and also the cruel sufferings the Messiah should undergo and what great glory should be put upon him afterwards was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit of God as they searched the scriptures. And then they penned. Jeremiah penned the book of Jeremiah. Isaiah penned the book of Isaiah. It's wonderful, isn't it? They prophesied of these wondrous things that would occur all by the Spirit of God. All by the Spirit of God. And it was revealed to these Old Testament prophets that the services they rendered and the coming of the Messiah of which they spake would not be fulfilled in their day, but in a later day. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things. Oh, therefore those who lived in the days of his coming would recognize the Messiah from the fulfillment of their prophecies and all Old Testament types and pictures as he is pleased to reveal himself through the preaching of his word. Beloved, they were ministering to us. They were ministering to us. The text continues, the things which are now reported unto you things which are now reported unto you. That which the prophets looked into, Peter brings forth. They are now accomplished facts. May the gospel never become commonplace to us. May we never reach a point where we say, oh, I know that. May it always leave us in awe. Because if we reach a point where we say, yeah, well, I, I already know that. That's, that's, you know, we're in a heap of trouble. Beloved. This gospel is wondrous. This gospel is, is incredible. And, and it's a reported unto us. These, are, these accomplished facts and the things which relate to the person and offices of Christ, beloved. This, this wondrous salvation which has been wrought out by our great God and King. I remember hearing one preacher say, you know why we need to be told about what Christ done at Calvary. And we're all guilty of it because we forget so easily. Because we're in this flesh and we struggle, don't we? And this is gospel preachers. We get up and we proclaim Christ and, and, and it's wondrous. It's wondrous. And then something will come up and we get worked up, don't we? Oh, but who's in control? God's in control, beloved. He's in control. We so soon forget, don't we? We're so prone to this. The things which are now reported unto you, beloved. The salvation wrought out by him. The salvation wrought out by him. His incarnation, the fact that God became a man. 
We were looking at that, brother. That, that, the, that the, the Christ is the God-man. Two natures intertwined. Fully human and yet fully man. We're never going to understand that. But it's truth. And that he did that to redeem us, to purchase us. He came to die. And he, the believer says he came to die for me. His incarnation was for me. It's wondrous. It's absolutely wondrous. His perfect obedience. Think of that too. We can't, we, we can't keep one, one law. Everything we do is tainted with sin. Christ, the sinless one, lives an absolute perfect life. Can we even fathom that? Perfect. And this is a fact, beloved. And it's reported unto you and I through the scriptures and through the preaching of the gospel. And for the believer, it's reported that Christ did this for you. It's wondrous. And in his sin-atoning death, all his sufferings, his death, that the perfect one, the sinless one, died for sinners. And the believer says, that was me. That's still me. I'm still a sinner, but I'm a saved sinner now. I'm trusting in Christ. Oh, my. It's wondrous. And then his glorious resurrection. Proving that God was absolutely satisfied with, that, with the sacrifice that he made. The one who came to die, died for me, and then God raised him from the dead, telling me that he's satisfied with that sacrifice. Oh, may this always be a wonder to us. That we who believe are included in that number. Well, so many others are just left to perish in their sins. It's wondrous. <clears throat> and then his, his wonderful ascension into heaven and the fact that he's now seated at the right hand of God. And there, these are true and faithful reports in the gospel. These are facts, beloved. These are facts. The world thinks they're fiction, but they're going to perish in their sins unless, unless, unless God grants some faith to believe. And then those who, who God grants faith to believe will be just like us, believing just like us, be in awe. But it's wondrous. The salvation is absolutely wondrous. And they've been preached unto you. Look at our text continues. By them that have preached the gospel unto you. And Peter's talking about himself here too, and, and it talks about gospel preachers and the rest of the apostles and those who have been called and sent out by Christ to preach glad tidings and publish peace, which they had done in several parts in the world, both the Jew and Gentile, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. The Holy Spirit is sent down by Christ and by Christ alone from the Father, particularly at the day of Pentecost when the apostles 
had an extraordinary and plentiful effusion, one commentator said, of the Spirit, qualifying them to preach the gospel to, to those which they were called and sent. Now, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and we just proclaim the things Christ has done for us. That's all they did, too. And the fulfillment of these things is reported unto you by the same Holy Spirit who inspired them to prophesy of Him. So the same Holy Spirit that inspired the prophets to prophesy of Christ, the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter when he preached the Gospel, is the same Holy Spirit that's in every believer. And does it not testify of these truths, the Spirit that within us, does it not testify of these wonderful truths? Yes. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. We proclaim the gospel by the same spirit. Gospel preachers proclaim the gospel by the same spirit. Believers proclaim Christ by the same spirit. Is they which prophesied and promised the gospel. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached the gospel of God. And they were able to preach the gospel of God by the same Holy Spirit which is in us. So very things the gospel preacher proclaims, and the redeemed of the Lord, marvel in. The angels desire to look into. Look at the latter part of this verse here. Which the angels desire to look into. Now the angels here spoken of are without doubt the elect angels. And they are infinitely beneath God. They're just created beings. And yet they're far superior to us. To man in wisdom and strength. And they find their happiness in contemplating, one commentator said, the divine excellencies and in doing the, the divine will of God. And scriptures declare that these angels are desirous to look into the things pertaining to salvation, the salvation of the redeemed from among men by Christ. John Brown brings this forth. The original expression is very beautiful. They are with earnest desire bending down, fixing their gaze on these things. The peculiar mode of expression probably alludes to the figures of the cherubim. Now remember this, the figures of the cherubim above the mercy seat who with downcast eyes, right? they were looking down at the top, were represented as looking on the mercy seat as if seeking to penetrate the mystery of wisdom and kindness which the fiery law covered by the blood-sprinkled golden propitiatory embodied looking upon that mercy seat. That's the same kind of expression when they desire to look into it, the things. So we have seen today that the prime subject, both of the Old and New Testament, which the prophets diligently searched for and which gospel preachers are to proclaim is Christ. Christ. And we proclaim the free grace of God manifested in God, giving Christ for sinners. And also in his powerful, irresistible drawing of his people by the Holy Spirit of God. 
and that through Christ the believer has received pardoning grace for all their sins. Born again by the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit which guided the prophets and by which they believed is the same Spirit by which we who are born again believe. They testified of the same Christ that we believe. It's wondrous. Wondrous. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Pray you be glorified and magnified in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name.